do want to say thank you to Pastor Jim for the excellent message last Sunday. And um, we, we, we had terrible internet where we were. We were in Tennessee. We were living the pontoon life with family on vacation. And uh, I may not have sunscreened as well as I should, but um, we had a wonderful time. But it, we missed our, our Hope Church family. We got to join you online yesterday. We got to hear the message. And Jim, thank you for preaching a passage of scripture that reminds us of the restorative work that God can do in our lives. And so thank the Lord for your gifting. And uh, we thank you, Hope Church for family, for your prayers and encouragement to us. And, and this morning, I, I want to begin with a confession. That is, um, I'm going to show you a picture of what, what looks like the worst wedding gift that we received 20 years ago. We got married. And this is supposed to be a piece of lily. Let me show you what this plant was supposed to look like. The next slide. That's what it's supposed to look like. Uh, let's go back to see this. So make, you can observe with me this, this plant. So after we were given this at our wedding in Ohio, where we were married, we drove back to Texas and we, we kind of neglected some of those things you're supposed to do, like sunshine and um, uh, watering. You see that little globe thing that's supposed to, you're supposed to fill that with water and it's supposed to keep the thing not looking like that, right? Like it's, it looks dead. But the worst thing that happened for us was that the person who'd given this to us was going to visit us in Texas. So, um, so then we were in a lot of trouble now because we had to figure out whether we were going to do a plant transplant, you know, uh, or whether we were going to, and you know what, actually, we were able to just give it some water, little TLC, some miracle Grow, and the thing looked like the next slide. But that's what it looked like. So now, now, there's things that are like that in our lives that were mostly dead, right? Like that they were on the edge. They just needed a little TLC. And today, in God's Word, as we study in the, in the book of Acts, and another story. Now we're going to shift to Peter's ministry. And in Peter's work, he's going to be a conduit of God's grace. And we're going to see him take a man who had been neglected. Uh, the text gives us a hint as to the fact that he was a poor man, who had been really was on his back for eight years. I can't help but imagine what it felt like to be him, alone, abandoned, poor. He, he was desperate for something more, but he had to have felt a feeling that some of us in this room or online have felt before, and that is, what's going to change? What, what could ever possibly change? And then what happened was that he encountered the living God in such a way that God restored his body. He was miraculously healed. And beyond his story, he was a man who was alive still. We're going to see the story of a woman, a saint who God was using in a mighty way, who had passed away, that she was fully dead. And then what we're going to see through the miraculous work of God, her life was restored. And it's this beautiful story of restoration that we're going to see pan out. And my hope for you today, as we study this together, is that you will be reminded of the fact that Jesus has victory over death. I love this slide, this, this image of Jesus when he's, he's coming out of the empty tomb, that through his death, he conquered death. That is why we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we don't just have a God who was living, but that we worship him for his past deeds. But instead that we understand that he had victory over death through his work on the cross. And today we're going to see the story of individuals who we will see in Jesus' name, they were healed. That God worked on their behalf. He restored their bodies. But more importantly, we are also going to rec recognize what it looks like for us to have the hope of having 
and eternal healing of God restoring our bodies for eternity in his living presence. You know that we're all aware of the fact that we're aging. In fact, statistically, we're told that some $200 billion will be spent this year on anti-aging surgeries, uh, creams, uh, things that people are going to do to try to fight the aging process. For ladies, they said that that'll come down to be a quarter of a million dollars in their lifetime on average in America will be spent on trying to reverse the process of aging. And and there's this this part of this that we're fighting against something that in many ways is inevitable. That when sin entered in the world, our bodies started to waste away. We'll laugh with Solomon and Ecclesiastes in this message about his awareness that the body's wasting away. But, but there's this understanding that if we have the right standing before the Lord, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his victory that he gave us through his death, that we can anticipate a resurrection of our own physical bodies, that we can anticipate that this, the, the old song, my dad used to love to play it, the ain't going to need this house no longer, ain't going to need this house no more. I'm not going to sing it for you, I promise. But, but, but there's this recognition, like what, what we experience, even the physical healing that we're going to see. One, a restoration of a body, one, from death to life, that those individuals would ultimately die still. And every single person in this room has an appointment with death if the Lord tarries, if he doesn't return before we we go on to graduate to the next life that he has for us. And that hope that we have is one that is beautiful. It's real. And today we're going to see it flow out of the hands of a man who experienced his own restoration, who'd gone from his own failures to experiencing the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we see the individual that God's going to use to be an ambassador for his hope is this man who is an imperfect vessel, but a man that we know of as Peter. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, we're going to pick up in verse 32. Now, we remember Peter, right? Impulsive Peter. Peter, the guy who cut off the guy's ear. Peter, the guy who said, Jesus, don't just, just uh, wash my feet, but wash all of me. He was, he, was, he was a man who wanted to be all in but we can still remember the cock crowing three times in the background that he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet God's going to use him to be an ambassador for hope for those who desperately needed it. In verse 32, it says this. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. If you look with me on the map here, you'll see Jerusalem's on the bottom right here. Um, it was, this was a, a geographical place about 25 miles northwest of Jerusalem. This was full of Jews and Gentiles. The gospel spreading. We're seeing the gospel continue to reach the world. This was a crossroads towards Egypt and God's doing this thing that he promised he was going to do, that, that the disciples would be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now we see him move from just Jews and just Gentiles to now a combination of those in this community. In verse 33, it says, there he found a man named Aeneas. This, the Greek word that describes his bed gives us a hint of the fact that he was a poor man. He didn't have much to his name. He Uh, needed something that he had been, according to the text, bedridden for eight years, and he was paralyzed. Now, now I try to wrestle when we study God's word with what would it be like to be this man? Would he have spent his life 
the last eight years, almost a decade, trying to find treatments that would heal him? Or had he given up at this point? Was he, was he done with any hope of this being something different than just his new standard of life? Surrounded, I am surrounded today by people who have given up. I really am. It shocks me today that we are surrounded by people who have said, I, I don't know how I can face tomorrow. I don't know how to get through the struggles that we're going through. And, and I'm sure that this man held some of that in his life. And then, praise the Lord, the Lord Jesus enters into the story. It says this in verse 34. And Peter said to him, as this man, Aeneas, was looking for something new. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed, and immediately he rose. This is awesome. It's just totally a miraculous healing. So, some of you have asked, does God still heal today? Absolutely. I've had the privilege of being in the room when God has miraculously healed people. I've seen his hand work on behalf of people. This story, when you read it, you notice the source of this healing was not Peter. It was not his cleverness. It wasn't his medical knowledge. It was, did you see what the text says? It was in Jesus' name that he healed. The hope of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was the hope of this man's resurrection. And the truth of the matter is that what meant for this man was something that we all need. And that was, it was time for him to experience something new. It was time for him to encounter the living God. He's going to do so through the message of a man who understood. Peter said earlier on the Temple Mount, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give to you. He, he's not giving his own strength, his own wisdom, his own knowledge. He's literally giving this man Jesus Christ. And, and here he says, take up your mat and that's exactly what happened. You know those words when he said those, and Peter in the back of his mind had to have remembered another event. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to mark this chapter in Acts 9, and I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 18. Uh, another take up your mat and uh, follow me moment in history. You know the story, I hope you do, where there was another man who was very sick. He was paralyzed. And his friends were so committed to getting him in the room with Jesus that they literally took apart the ceiling for him. Let me read this for you. In Luke chapter 8, or 5, verse 18. Luke chapter 5, 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So there, there's this room. It's packed full. Jesus is teaching. These guys are really committed to getting this man in the very presence of Jesus, and so they did the obvious thing. They, they ripped through the roof. He comes down in the middle of this. And then verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. They lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw her faith, he said, now this is really important. Catch this. When they, said, they saw their faith, he said, friends, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, now wait a second. The, they didn't want him to forgive their sins, right? They, they wanted him to heal the paralyzed man. It was a shocker for them. What? But then Jesus, who knows their minds, he goes on to say this. The, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Praise the Lord, by the way. 
That promise is the hope that you and I have. Every person who's healed in scripture is going to be a person who's going to have to face either the Lord resurrecting them physically in the body or they're going to die again. Lazarus went through this amazing healing. The Lord Jesus, remember he wept with those who were weeping because Lazarus had died. Jesus knew he was gonna raise him from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. It was beautiful. But you know what happened with Lazarus later? Is that he went on and he died. And it's important for us to understand that in the reality that we live in, in the knowledge of sin and death that we live within, physical healing is great. It's wonderful. I pray it happens for each one of us that are struggling with our health. But the more important thing is spiritual healing. What Peter experienced is what Jesus talked needed Nicodemus, that you can be born again, that you can experience a new life, not trying to prop up the old life to keep this old house going, but we have the hope of the resurrection of our own body. So Jesus knows this. He says, which is easier to say in verse 23, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man, that's Jesus, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So that's why I said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. This is a bad pastor joke and a bad dad joke. Chuck Swindoll says that uh, this was a small miracle because parents have been trying to get their kids to take up their mat and clean up their beds. For Thank you for laughing. One of you did. That's good. That's bad. My kids make fun of me for bad dad jokes and bad pastor jokes. And when they're combined together, we're in trouble, right? You know, um, here what happened, it says in verse 25, was that immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what he'd been laying on and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and they said, we have experienced remarkable things today. It's awesome. Got a front row seat. And in our passage in Acts, it was very similar. There's this miracle that happens. Jesus is the healer. They get to see a man who couldn't walk in the room leaves, leave carrying his own mat. Church, I want to remind you this morning subtly, especially for those who came in today discouraged, who logged in today discouraged, that hope can come when all hope feels lost. I've seen this pattern in my life. I hope that you understand this, that, that God hasn't forgotten you. It encourages me so much that, that the Lord knows this man by name, right? That he sent his messenger, Peter, to speak to him, to be a source of hope. And God's going to use this imperfect vessel to help this man go from death to life. It's beautiful. We, we celebrate it like they did in the story in Luke, that we, we celebrate it. But I want to share with you a story of a woman who's really a hero of mine, Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you know her story. Uh, Johnny is, um, is a, a woman who has radiated her life with joy, but part of her story is so tragic the way it began, because as a teenager, just months after she'd graduated from high school, she was super into sports, super athletic. She uh, was, was in the Chesapeake Bay, and she was attempting to dive off a raft, and she, she hit the, the sandy bottom of, of the lake, and she ended up being paralyzed. Some of you know the story. Her arms and legs went limp. And in her own words, she said, when they pulled my paralyzed body on shore, months later, when the permanency of my paralysis began to sink in, in her own words, I felt like my life was over. She was a believer at the time, 
But she, she wrestled with, well, God, God can heal me, right? And so Johnny, with her sister driving her around, started going to healing services. And she'd been to multiple healing services. And, and, and she says this about the passage in Mark that we read earlier. She said, I'd, I'd grown up reading that passage. And now, as I have been paralyzed, when I read the story of the man who comes through the roof, I, I ignored altogether verses 20 through 24, the, the part that talks about the forgiveness of sins. I was focused in on miraculous healing. God, heal my body. And in her own words, she says this, when I originally read it, I ignored those verses in, in 20 through 24, in which Jesus teaches that forgiving sin is a lot harder to do than healing someone. Forget the sin part. I just wanted the healing part. We understand that, right? She, she was missing out on the thing. You might have seen, she paints with, with paintbrushes in her mouth because her limbs don't work anymore. She's gone through cancer since this time. She's been through so much, but here's what she says. Forget the sin part. I just wanted the healing part. As far as I was concerned, if I kept my nose clean, stayed out of trouble, Jesus would have no reason not to heal me. After the third healing crusade, my sister drove me home in our Mer to our Maryland farm. All the way, I kept fuming. What kind of savior, what kind of rescuer or healer would refuse the prayer of a paralytic, especially a paralytic who loves Christ as her savior? I felt bewildered and utterly lost. One morning, I woke early, looked around my shadowy bedroom, and I decided I didn't want to get up. If I can't be healed, I thought that I'm just not going to do this. I'm not going to live this way. Church, I think that there's people today that have said those words. If I can't have life the way I want it, I'm done. I'm giving up. I, I can't do this anymore. But then she goes on to stay. She, I stayed in bed that whole day, the next, and then the following week, the despair was claustrophobic. And then I finally whimpered. These words changed her life. I can't live this way. I'm so lost. God, show me how to live. It was her first plea in her own words for help. And then next came fresh days when her sister would get her up. She'd sit before God's word. She'd turn the pages with a stick in her, in her mouth and she reread Luke 5 where Jesus healed the paralyzed man lowered by his friends. And this time she studied the verses in between. And she would say this, that this time I studied the verses that I had ignored. Jesus, Jesus could heal the paralyzed man because and only because he had the authority as the son of God to forgive sin. Isn't that awesome? So, so what happened is that she understood the miracle that she needed was not just physical healing, but spiritual healing in her life. In other words, fear, physical healing is always temporary but interestingly, spiritual healing is eternal. So if we look back on Acts, at Acts chapter 9, verse 35, we see that this man's healing resulted in a great impact for the kingdom of God. All the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. They turned to the Lord. In other words, this got their attention. There was this, this miraculous sign. And they themselves had to say, is it time for me to experience this kind of healing in my life? Because it was about the gospel. As with the healing of the lame temple beggar and Jesus' healings of the, the paralytics at Capernaum in Jerusalem, the healing of Aeneas resulted in many people sharing and hearing the gospel. But this leads us to the second story that's recorded in Acts chapter 9, a story of a woman who was completely dead. 
who was raised from the dead. And, and what we see that flows out of the text is the second point this morning is Christ offers you and I a new life, even when it feels like all hope is lost. He can offer us a new life. I love this story. In Acts chapter 9, 36, this history, um, there was a woman her, in Joppa. There was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and of acts of charity. She had to have been a wonderful person. She saw her stuff, not as her stuff, but she gave it to other people. We don't know if she was a widow. We don't see her husband in the story. So here it says that she cared for widow, widows around her. And, and even when Peter shows up on the scene, there's all these people whose lives had been impacted by this woman in such a way that they were devastated with her physical loss that she'd become ill and died. It says this in verse 37. In those days, she became ill and she died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. This is, this is important for us because they're breaking from tradition. When someone died in the, those days and in that, that time period, you got them into the grave quickly because of how humid and hot and smell, it just... Was something, but, but, but what we see is that the disciples had faith that Christ could offer her a new life. And that's exactly what happens in verse 38. Since Lydda was near Joppa, if on the map I showed you earlier, they're pretty close to each other. I think it's about 10 miles. The disciples hearing that Peter was there sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went to them with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing their tunics and other garments that Dor Dorcas had made while she was with them. Th this lady was incredible. She was sacrificial. She was generous with her time. She cared about the needs of others so much so that, that, that in the moments after her death, people were struck by the fact that she had done so much for them. They were devastated. But then what we get to see is the text goes on. This is so encouraging. If you pick back up with me in verse 40. But Peter put them all outside. You can just get the sense that it was so loud. Like we got to get these people out of the room. And he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. You see the look on her face. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand he raised her up and then calling the saints and the widows, all those who were outside, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord and they stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a Tanner. This, this moment was incredible. That again, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he heals this woman. In other words, Jesus is her healer. I love the fact that Peter is the utensil that God uses because he was himself an imperfect tool of God, but he was a man who understood what it meant to be forgiven by Jesus. And so here, that this man who knew these words, that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and excellence, what Peter gets to do is he gets to see this woman go physically from death to life. We, we probably don't even need to state this, but when it comes to our own physical bodies, I talked about how much money we spend on our physical bodies to try to beat the, the process of time. But what, what, the fact of the matter is uh, our bodies are wasting away. 
uh, on our vacation, I had a, a not so tactful family member look across me on a boat and say, man, your beard sure is looking white these days. And, and then they, they thought, have you ever thought about coloring it? <laughs> I have not. The answer is I have not given it. I said, oh, I've earned every one of these, you know? You know, the, there's, a, there's a part of our bodies that are wasting away. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, he said these words. This might be an encouragement to you. This might be a discouragement. I don't know, but I love. In Ecclesiastes um, chapter 12, it says this. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Kids, he's addressing you guys. He's saying, remember this when you're young, because he says before the evil days, that's how he describes getting old, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in my days. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. In other words, you can't see very well. And the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, in other words, your hands will tremble, and the strong men are bent, your legs and your back start to keel over, and the grinders cease because they are few. You know what he's talking about there? You lost your teeth, right? So you can't chew anymore. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. In other words, you can't see anything. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. In other words, you can't hear anything, but it's great. It goes on to say, and one rises up at the sound of a bird. So you can't hear anything until you're trying to sleep, and then you hear everything that you don't want to hear. Some of you are shaking your head up and down like, oh, I hear you, right? Our bodies are, are wasting away, right? This is a part of what it means to live in a world where sin has taken its toll, that we're appointed to a day to die, and our bodies only last so many years, right? But the great news is, is that through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have hope for a new body, a new life, a new recognition that he's going to restore. This is just for a time. Our lives are just a blip on the screen of eternity, right? And for some reason, we've forgotten this fact. So physical healing is real, Christ is our healer. I've experienced it. I've seen it. God is continuing to work through the power of the Holy Spirit to heal people. Praise the Lord for that. But when he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he hasn't offered to every single one of us the privilege of being able to understand restoration through the work of the cross, that we can anticipate graduating to heaven in eternity with a God who's promised us a new body a new life that is in and through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our resurrection is based on our anticipation and understanding of his resurrection. It's encouraging for me to see that here this woman, it's just a side note, but when we look back at, at this woman, her ministry and work was profound. That We see those who are celebrating her work. One commentator says, sowing in Jesus' name, is that a spiritual gift? This is the way he puts it. He says, she had the gift of sowing. Do you mean to tell me that sowing is a gift of the Holy Spirit? And it was for Dorcas. We may have all have such, may we all have such practical gifts and share them lavishly, leaving behind us a legacy of generosity. Church, I want to be a person whose life radiates with joy. I want to be a person who doesn't see my things as just for me but to see my things as, as things that are for everyone, that can be a blessing to others, even to just understand that you can't take it with you, right? And here, Dorcas was a woman who lived this way. She lived in such a way that, that her kindness was infectious, her generosity was infectious. 
And also the story of her restoration to life was infectious. The text goes on to say, and it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Johnny Erickson Tata says this beautifully when she says, physical healing is secondary to spiritual healing. Physical healing is a great, it's a beautiful thing. And God continues to do it, but it's secondary to spiritual healing. In Psalm 103, verses one through five, we love to quote this. It's a very important passage of scripture. It talks about how God heals all our diseases. But I want you to hear this in context. It says, I praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgets, forgives all of your sins. He talks about forgiveness of sins. Then he says, and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. This promise is one that we can anticipate for eternity. And it is understanding that it is because of the forgiveness of sin that we can anticipate the restoration of our bodies. Johnny went on to say this. She said this in a book that she wrote about healing. And it's really important. I want you to hear these words. They're so helpful. Does God miraculously heal? Sure he does. But in this broken world, it is still the exception and not the rule. A no answer to my request for miraculous physical healing. Now, I want to put when she wrote these words, this was before she'd been hit with cancer. Um, she has continued to suffer in her life. And it's, it's devastating. It breaks my heart to know what she suffered through. But she says this. She says, an, a no answer to my request for miraculous physical healing has meant purged sin, a love for the lost, miraculous um, increased compassion, stretched hope, an appetite for grace, an increase of faith, a happy longing for heaven, a desire to serve, a delight in prayer, and a hunger for this word, for his word. Oh, bless that stern schoolmaster that is my wheelchair. You hear that? She's saying, thank the Lord for my wheelchair, not because it helps her to get around, but because there have been lessons that she's learned. Later in her book about healing, she says this, the best we can hope for in this life is a knothole peak at the shining realities ahead. Yet a glimpse is enough. It's enough to convince our hearts that whatever sufferings and sorrow currently assail us aren't worthy of comparison to that which awaits over the horizon. You get that? It's just a, this is just a glimpse. This isn't the way it's going to be forever. Praise the Lord. This is temporary. This is why we're told to live as Christ and to die as Gabe. She said, thank you for my wheelchair. Thank you for my cancer. Can you say thank you for what's going on with this virus? Thank you for what's happening in my life. Thank you for that lost job. Thank, it's, it's really hard to do, isn't it? It's hard for us to do. But I think this is what it means for us to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and communicate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self it, It's what he asks us to be as people who overcome our circumstances that don't get blown away by them. I, I love the way that Joni put these words. She says, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Isn't that interesting? So, so this message is a message of hope. It really is. And it's a message of hope that God can physically heal. 
And, and, and the application questions today, one of those is just like James 5, it talks about a process where we confess our sins and we go to the elders and we ask for God to heal us. And I've been a part of that. I've seen God work in a mighty way and it's, it's amazing. And in fact, uh, Lauren Muniak, her testimony, the Lord healed her through a cancer process that was devastating in her life. And we celebrate the way that God works. You all have heard of stories. Maybe you have your own version of that story. But, but what we also recognize is that that question, even if you've been physically healed, this question still must be your question. I can't live this way. I'm so lost. God, show me how to live. And so Joni shared it, or Johnny shares this in her own experience, that she was a person who had to ask that question. And I want to challenge you that, that way. I want, I'm going to challenge myself that way. Can I say this statement? Lord, I'm so lost. Show me how to live. Three other questions I, I want to close this time out with when we think about what it means for us to go from death to life, when it means for us to go through the restoration that only God can give us from, from being uh, almost dead to thriving. I want to ask you these questions. Have you learned to rejoice in your suffering when God chooses not to heal? Allie and I had the privilege of hearing Johnny um, share a speak at a, a Christian Missionary Alliance conference. And, and, and I'll just say the one thing that characterized her in that wheelchair, in pain, she talked about her pain, was that she radiated joy in the midst of this time. That God had chosen not to heal her and she still radiated joy. She could rejoice in her sufferings. This ought to be an example to each one of us. And you know what's hopeful or helpful for me is that I'm not diminishing your suffering. I'm not diminishing her suffering. It was real, but she still came through it experiencing joy. The, the second statement here is, I believe that God's word teaches that God physically heals today. And, and I, I want to ask you, have you ever personally experienced the truth of James 5, 13 through 16? This is this is God working through a community of people, praying together, leaders in the church, praying for healing. I, I believe that for some of us, it may be time for us to take that step of faith. Like, Lord, would you heal me physically? I need you to work in my life in this way. There's an act of obedience that's associated with it. There's a confession of sin that's appropriate. And, and, and that's something that I would love to be a part of in your life. The third question, though, is in what way is the forgiveness of our sins the ultimate miracle. I hope that you've wrestled with that. I hope that you see that, that that is the ultimate miracle. When Jesus healed that paralytic that had come through the roof, it was about his sins that he made it as more important than the physical healing. That other part was important, but it's not nearly as important. So for you, if you're desperate, if you're hopeless, if you've come here today seeing how hard life is, I want to remind you that your God has not forgotten you. He knows you by name. He cares about you. And his desire for you is that you thrive. But the only way that you can do that is by being a person who's willing to say, Lord, I want you to show me how to live and to recognize that he died so that you can anticipate true life. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Um, I don't know what it means to have the kind of faith that, that a person could stand back and say, thank you for my wheelchair. I, I realize that I have, I have not had to suffer in the way that she had. I, I cannot say that I can relate to 
a paralytic who suffered for eight years in his poverty, um, desperately in need of you. But I have my own versions of times that I have neglected you, run from you, tried to handle things in my own strength. And um, Lord, I accept today that like maybe some others in this room or others who've chosen to, to join us online, that that they need to be reminded of the fact that you are the giver of life. Lord, that you are not just an option for us, but you are the option. And I, and I pray uh, for each person that's here to, to be reminded of the simplicity of your word, that you love the world so much that you gave your only son that whomever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. I, I pray for miraculous physical healing for Hope, the Hope Church family, those who are visiting with us, those who can hear my voice. I pray for miraculous healing. Um, Lord, I also pray for a spiritual healing inside. What's broken to be made whole, to be able to experience what, what you taught Nicodemus of the ability to have a new lease on life to be restored in such a way that that we're able to call ourselves sons and daughters of the king adopted into your family because of the work of the cross that to me is so much more important than physical healing in a life that is so quick so temporary and so lord as we we pray these words we thank you that you have not forgotten our names that you have not diminished our pain or our suffering, uh, but instead, Lord, that you've said that you've come so that we can have life and that we can have it to the fullest. We love you. And Lord, as we sing this, this praise together of your goodness, I pray that we would fill this room with, with the glory and honor that you deserve. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Would you stand and sing this song with us? Let's magnify the Lord together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered Come exalt his name 
that the Lord is good. Oh, blessed is He who hides in Him. Oh, fear the Lord. Oh, all you say, He gives you everything. He'll give you and seen that you are good and we magnify your holy name we bless your name in good times and bad whether we have deliverance in this life or in the next we thank you for the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ that is more valuable than anything and we give you praise for this opportunity to express our worship to you bless the people who've come who've worshiped and bless us as we continue to live for you holding on to you, our great and awesome God. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you, and thank you so much for being a part of our worship. So good to have you here. <laughs> 